invite you to join me in, uh, in uh, welcoming all our Zoomers and uh, asking God to, to bless our, our Zoomers. So on the count of you, we want to say welcome Zoomers. So, one, two, three. Welcome, welcome Zoomers! Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I've got a challenging message for you this morning. I hope you didn't come to church to have your ears tickled. I hope you didn't come to put your feet up and relax this morning because no. I haven't got that kind of word. Thank you, the toast Amen. Hallelujah. I just have a glass of water here somewhere, please. If I could ask you to. Thank you so much. Praise God. Please, I'd love you to. God's blessing upon the word because we really need the anointing of God upon everything that's said and done. So Father God, we come before you this morning. We acknowledge that you are the fount of all living words. Lord, you alone have the words of eternal life. And we pray this morning that as we hear the, 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 the intent, the cry of your heart, that you would speak unto us, that you would challenge us, that you would minister to us. And Lord, that you would uh, pour out your spirit upon us, that we would know that we stand and have been in the presence of the great King of Kings. And so, Lord, we love you. We, we declare our love and devotion to you. We pray that you would help us to lift up your name. Lord, just uh, hide me behind your cross. Lord, uh, I pray that you would give people ears to hear that which the Holy Spirit would say, and that, Lord, we would be moving in the anointing of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' mighty name. I've titled this message, The Cause of Christ, and uh, I, I really believe it, it, it's a challenge in the spirit to, to follow the Lord. And I want to start off by reading something to you. Uh, it's, it was a, an advert in a magazine, and it said this, Men wanted for hazardous journey, constant danger, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, safe return, doubtful. Honor and recognition in the case of success. 
That, in, that advertisement was, appeared in the London newspaper and thousands of men responded. Isn't that amazing? The advert was signed Sir Ernest Shackleton. Of course, it was for his exploration uh, of the poles. And so uh, people were, were, were challenged and, and uh, excited by this whole adventure of going into uh, the, the unknown and exploring and uh, doing something quite uh, extraordinary. You see, I believe that many people are bored with their life. They're not challenged significantly with what's going on in their life. It's too mundane. It's too ordinary. Uh, it's, a, it's a little existence rather than a wonderful life. They basically are in a rut. And you know what a rut is, isn't it? A rut is a, is a grave that's opened up both ends. And I think a lot of people are living in that rut where their life is going nowhere. It's the same old, same old. Nothing exciting, nothing challenging, and nothing ever happens differently. It's the same old boring stuff day after day. Am I speaking to anybody here this morning? I hope so. Because I'm hoping that, that when you see what God has for us, that we're going to rise to the challenge that Christ has for us. You know, it's the same old boring stuff. It's, life has become very predictable. We go to work, we eat, we sleep. And it's just this monotonous cycle. Nothing really changes. It's just endless drudgery. And uh, that can be very depressing. It's pointless, it's empty, and it's tedious. Sometimes you hear people say, I feel like I'm going mad. Maybe you've said that yourself, or at least you've heard somebody else say that, you know, because they're just going through the, 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 the steps of this ordinary uh, kind of life, and it's, it's really uh, very degrading. The reason is they're in cruise control. When you are just living a mere existence, life is not very exciting. We need to be challenged, amen? amen. We need to rise to something greater than what we're going about and involved in. I've got a news flash for all the sad sacks out there that are struggling with this kind of mentality. Life was never meant to be this way. Jesus said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. Yes. He came to bless us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I came to give us hope and joy unspeakable yes. and full of glory. Life is to be an exciting adventure. And when we turn it into an ordinary mundane existence, we've missed the cause that Christ has called us for. And so we need to understand that God has a, a calling and a cause for us. In other words, Jesus was saying, I've come to make your life rich, not necessarily with coin, but with rich experience, with a great challenge, with a life of excitement and joy, full and, and challenging, a life of purpose and meaning. And when you have no meaning for your life, it becomes a mere existence. Okay, so Jesus came to bring us direction, excitement, and to satisfy our mouth with good things. Amen? Isn't that what the scripture said? Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me into this boring, mundane, mediocre, blah, kind of life. I don't believe it. Not for a second. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me into one of the most exciting, challenging, and life-transforming experiences in God. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to give us a cause. He came to give us a purpose. I believe Martin Luther said it first and said it best when he said, a life without cause that's not worth dying for is not worth living for. Man, that is powerful. A life without a cause that's not worth dying for is not worth living for. 
If you haven't got a cause that gets you up in the morning and says, man, life is great, there are challenges ahead, and, 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 and you're excited and you're willing to lay down your life, you're going through a mere existence. And I believe that, that the majority of people uh, have, have been, uh, become comfortable and uh, lazy and, and laid back and ha- are experiencing a mere existence and then wonder why their Christian life is so boring. Yes. Serving Jesus is not boring. Can I have an amen? amen. amen. It's the most challenging, the most life-giving uh, uh, thing that you can experience when you follow Jesus and all that he has. Uh, so if you haven't discovered what life is all about, you haven't discovered your cause. Something that you would give your life for, man. Give everything for. That's your cause. For Luther, his cause was the reformation of the church. For Wilberforce, it was the abolition of slavery. For Churchill, it was to free the world from Nazi occupation. The Beatles, it was to make music. For Picasso, it was to paint. And for Jamie Oliver, it was to cook. These guys have their cause. They're excited about what they are doing. They're excited about life and the the challenges that life has. They are not living a mere existence. When you discover your cause, you find your reason for living. The meaning of your existence. Without a cause, your life is shallow, drab, ordinary, shell that's just drifting through a sea of meaningless and mediocrity. What we need to hear is we need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit to say, this is why I put you on earth. This is why I created you. I have a cause for you to fulfill. And if you would dare to rise to the challenge and get out of the ordinary and push yourself into the midst of God's perfect will, then you'll understand the blessing of the Lord. Amen. You see, the cause captivates our imagination. It fires our ambition. It drives and spurs us on. When you discover your, your cause, you discover your reason for living, the meaning of your existence. Without a cause, your life is shallow, drab, shell of emptiness. But with a cause, your life has purpose, power, direction, and significance. Every truly great undertaking, every significant endeavor has a noble cause behind it. Can you say amen? Amen. You see, we can settle for the ordinary. Or we can say, God, I want to lead an extraordinary, powerful, Gracious life in the in the anointing of God, and I believe that that's what God has has in store for us if we will rise to the challenge, if we will take up our cross and follow Jesus, we will find that He will lead us into a wonderful, exciting, challenging life. I don't say it's all going to be it's all going to be uh, roses. You know, even roses have their thorns. Amen. <laughs> and so you know, following Jesus can be uh, can be difficult, but it can be incredibly uh, significant. Listen to Jesus, the words of Jesus, and I'm reading from John chapter 18 and verse 37. Jesus himself says this, To this end was I born. Think about that. What a significant statement that was. To this end was I born. Jesus knew why he existed. And he goes on, For this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth, that everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Jesus, the most powerful and individual person that's ever lived, had a cause. 
And you see, if you're going to be a person of significance, if you're going to be a person that does something, you must have a cause. You've got to find your cause from God. And it transforms your life from the ordinary to the extraordinary, from the natural to the supernatural. You know, Nehemiah, I would like to talk to, to you a little bit just about Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a cause, didn't he? He, he caught a vision from God to rebuild the city of, of, of Jerusalem. And you can read about it in the book of Nehemiah. We, uh, we've done it that in, in the past. We've looked at the whole book. and uh, So I, I'm not going to really go into that. But Nehemiah had a noble cause, the rebuilding of the city of God. But he had to overcome incredible odds. You know, he, he had to uh, overcome lies and de defeats and uh, conspiracies, assassination attempts, threats of war. I mean, it was all coming against him. He was in a very difficult place, but he had a cause. He had a mission from the Holy Spirit to rebuild the city of God. And so no matter what came against him, the cause kept him moving forward. And I tell you, that's the difference between mediocrity and a life of, of the ordinary and the life of the extraordinary and powerful is the cause. When you have a cause, you move into a new dimension of life. Nothing could stop Nehemiah. He was a man on a mission. You know, he was courageous. He was determined. And most of all, he was defiant. You know, they told him to stop building. He said, no, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down and talk to you. I am going to be building what God has called me. He stuck it out. The cause will energize and inspire you, drive you to success when nothing else will. When you find your cause, you'll know it. Because all you can do is talk about it. When you sleep and when you wake up talking about your cause, it's the most exciting. Everybody has to know about your cause because you found something truly wonderful. Ever, ever come across people like that? All they can talk about is what God has called them to do. Mm. They're excited mm. because they, God has dropped something amazing into their heart and their life. The cause requires sacrifice. It's not just going to fall out of heaven. You know? <sighs> Poor old Nehemiah. He, he stood his ground and he fought and he, he did everything and he faced tremendous opposition. But day by day, he advanced the cause that God had put him in. You know, when you're in the right place, when, when God has said, I've got a challenge for you, I've got a cause for you, there's a purpose and a reason. Let me talk to you a little bit about what a cause entails. A cause is not easy. When you get your call from God, when you get your assignment from the Lord, it's not just going to be easy walking. Can you say amen? Amen. You know, some people say, oh man, if I'm, if I'm doing God's will, I'll never have another problem in my life. <laughs> no, they don't know very much yet, do they? Uh, if you're serving God, you're going to face much opposition. It's going to be really difficult. So a cause requires much hard work. And that's why we shy away from causes. Because we don't want to get our hands dirty. We don't want to get involved because it's messy and it's difficult. But God has a cause and a purpose for us. Much hard work is required. Commitment is required. Dedication is required. But most of all, it requires sacrifice and suffering. Sacrifice and suffering. If we're going to be a person that is valuable in the kingdom of heaven, I want Jesus to say to me, and I'm, I know that this is true for you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
I want to hear the master say those words to me. Yes. And if we if we were only right. hear that if we committed to what he has uh, and do what he's called us to do. If we fulfill the mission, the vision, the plan, the purpose that God has for us. Now, I can't give you a cause. That must come from the Holy Spirit. That must come from God himself. But it will entail much hard work, commitment, dedication, sacrifice, and suffering. Consider Jesus just for a moment. Jesus had a cause. And it meant he sacrificed his life to redeem you and I. You know... His sacrifice and suffering, his blood, sweat, and tears are the foundation of the church. The king of the universe sacrificed his life. He was rejected by those that he loved. You know, when you get a cause, not everybody's going to say, praise God, brother, you leave this right behind you. People say, oh, that's not of God. That's not, And they will ditch on your dream and they will spoil everything that you're trying to do. You cannot listen to people like that. You've got to be around faithful people. Can I have an amen? amen. You've got to be around those people who believe God for a mighty move yes. of the Holy Spirit. And when you say, this is my dream, you're going to have to fight for it. Because they spat upon Jesus. They punched him. They ripped out his beard. They, they, put him, they beat him, whipped him with a flesh so that he was so pulverized, and then they nailed his hands and his feet to the cross for the cause. Jesus sacrificed everything. He paid a debt he did not owe, because we owed a debt he could not pay. In the words of the old song, he so graciously paid for your sins and mine. That was his cause to redeem mankind. For the whosoever to come to the Savior and find that a loving Savior that says, I will take all your punishment, all your sins, I will bear it. I will take all the things that you've done wrong and I will pay the price for your sin. That's what Jesus did. And his cause was to redeem you and I from a life of drudgery, a life of mundane, ordinary existence to give us an exceptional, exciting and challenging life. Suffering and sacrifice of Christ brought us salvation. That's the price that a cause is paid. And that's why so few people will embrace the cause. Because they are afraid of the sacrifice and they are afraid of the suffering. Today's church wants to be pampered and pandered to with all the creature comforts. You know, everything must be just right, just the right kind of music. Not too loud, not too soft, you know. We can't have pews anymore because they're too uncomfortable. They must, they must be padded chairs. And we've got to have heaters in winter and we've got to have fans in summer. And, you know, and they're ready to walk out of church as soon as the preacher starts preaching too long. Amen. <laughs> That's the modern church. You know? And we call ourselves soldiers of the cross. Oh. You know? And we walk away at the first sign of discomfort. The modern church has bred believers with no background. If, they're not, if there aren't things just right, they're looking for another church. <laughs> oh dear. Okay, now I've gone from preaching to meddling, but never mind. Hallelujah. <laughs> Meddle away. Uh, Meddle away. away. Thank you, Sandy. <laughs> you know, we want to hear messages about uh, preach that God wants you rich and, and plan for his prosperity and the secrets of success. Don't get me wrong. Those are important messages in the church. I preach them myself. But you know, you go to some churches and that's all you ever hear. You're never challenged with the cross. You're never challenged to preach the gospel. All you hear is how God's going to enrich your life. 
that is a part of the gospel. It is not the whole gospel. We've got to preach the whole counsel of God. And everyone said, Amen. That's our mission. That's Woo! our mandate. Jesus. You see, so the church focuses on itself. I, me, and mine. How can I prosper? How can I do better? What's in it for me? And so many, so often the cry of the modern church. The church, when it has that kind of philosophy, that kind of mentality, is in danger of becoming a bless me club. We cannot be a bless me club. It's not about you and it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ, the Savior, the righteous Son of God. It's about serving Him. It's about what we can do for God. Can I have an amen? Amen. And this inversion of the gospel where it's all about me and all how I can benefit and how I can prosper. And those are important messages. Hear me clearly. But it's not the only message. We must be about the Father's business just like Jesus was about the Father's business. The church is in danger of becoming a bless me club. It's what I want, what I need. That's of paramount importance. And it's a perversion of the gospel. The undefined focus of the church today is what's in it for me. The early church, the focus was on Almighty God. What can I do to serve Him? What can I do to, to honor the Lord? It's about my serving Jesus Christ. Being a Christian means you're called to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are called to minister in His name, in His power and authority. It's not about us primarily. God wants to bless us because He loves us and He wants to do amazing things in our life. But He wants us to be about the Father's business all the time. Because of this watered-down gospel, the church has lost influence and power. Let me say that again. Because of this watered-down gospel, the church has lost influence and power. Amen? Amen. That's what's happened. That's right. The church has lost its focus. It's become self-centered. Because and no, you know, it's really sad. In days gone by, you know, there were nations and kings who would not challenge the church. They stood in fear of the church. The church was so revered and respected because of what the work that they did. Today, uh, it's become the object of ridicule and scorn. A weak, feeble, pathetic institution full of old priests who molest and drove children and how the church of God has fallen. So-called believers are watching porn, committing adultery, lying, cheating, stealing. They're so deceived they think they're saved. Because they go to church. Going to church does not save you. No, Amen. No, it's you. about submitting your life to Jesus yes. Christ and say, Lord, change me that I might be a righteous person yeah, willing Lord. to perform your will. That's what being a Christian is all about. You know, the truth is it's time for the church to have another reformation. The church needs another reformation. You know, there the, the, the are branches of the church that are giving such mixed messages, you know, about it's okay to live together. They turn their, their eyes, uh, close their eyes to couples cohabiting together. That's not what Christians ought to be doing, amen? You know, the church is, uh, is you know, involved in such perversion and immorality. It's time for the church to have another reformation and turn from their wickedness. Turn from their self-centered, self-seeking, egotistical ways. 
The church, as I said, is not about us. It's about God. So what do we need to do? We need to dethrone ourselves and enthrone Jesus Christ on, on the throne of our heart. And I find that I've been a, a Christian for 40 years, and, 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 and probably a bit longer than that, but, but I, the constant battle that I have in my life is dethroning self. The things that I want to do, the things I want to say, where I want to go, instead of what God wants me to do. I'm, and it's a constant challenge for the will of the Lord to be done in my life. I find that daily after I have to say, God, what is it that you want me to do today? What are your priorities that I might serve the Lord faithfully in everything that I'm doing? Listen, if your cause is not great enough, you will never be able to sacrifice for it. If you are the object of your cause, the church is lost. But if Jesus Christ is the cause, then surely no sacrifice can be too great. Can I have an amen? amen. Hallelujah. Jesus' cause was to redeem the church. Paul's was to sacrifice himself to build the churches. They sacrificed everything. Jesus and Paul sacrificed everything for the church. Paul was stoned, shipwrecked, imprisoned. You know, he was beaten with rods. He was beaten. He, he went an incredibly difficult life, but he never gave up. He lived a life, he walked around tired and hungry, cold and destitute and in pain. But he was always focused on his care for the churches. You can read it in 2 Corinthians 11 and 28. That was his cause to, about the churches. And if you're looking for a supreme cause for your life, look no further than Jesus Christ. Surrender completely and totally to Him, and He will change your mundane, ordinary existence into something extraordinary and supernatural and powerful. Look at Jesus. Look at Paul. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We are the preachers today that say that. We are the preachers that say, I'm doing the will of God. You can see it. It lines up with the Word of God. We're seeing a real uh, absence of that kind of thinking and mentality in the churches today. Follow me as I follow Christ, Paul said. You know, the Gospel Herald carried the story. And I want to read it. It's a true story, uh, but it really spoke to me. And uh, it was about two airplanes that collided in midair. Miraculously, one pilot survived and guided his aircraft to the ground. As soon as the plane shuddered to a halt, the pilot began issuing instructions and helping the 50 passengers to swiftly evacuate as the plane was on fire. A serviceman was trapped in his seat, and the pilot heard his cry for help and turned back. Both men died. One because he could not get out, and the other because he would not get out while somebody else was on board. That pilot, to me, is an absolute hero. That's what it means to live your life for others. To lay down your life if necessary for the cause that God has called you to. This man died. Both men died. One because he couldn't get out and one because he wouldn't leave another man to perish in the flames. Absolute heroes. Men of, that man was a man of honor. He was a man of integrity. He was a gallant man. I salute men like that. I admire men like that. How about you? These are incredibly faithful men that he would do such a thing. You know, 
He could have taken the easy option, couldn't he, and saved himself, and many would have done that. But he was not one to take the easy option. He was going to do the right thing, no matter what it cost him. He was a gallant and courageous man who did his duty well. You know, doing our duty well is of paramount importance if we want to hear God say, well done, that good and faithful how the church of God needs men and women like that. Men and women who will sacrifice for the cause of Christ. Who will lay down their lives. Who won't think of themselves. Who won't take the easy option. Who will go the hard yards. They'll carry the cross of Christ. God save us from professional clergymen. God save us from professional clergymen. Give me a man or a woman with a cause. Give me a man with a woman that is a heart after God. Follow them. Some people just go into the ministry because it's a job. I want to tell you, it's not a job. It's a calling from Almighty God. And you dare not enter in if you're not called of God. And so we need, to, we, we need men and women who are willing to sacrifice everything for the cause of Christ, to lay down their life. Men and women who will, uh, you know, with a belly on fire for God, who will do what's right. Men and women who will sacrifice and sing. Do you remember Paul? Take him, and, and after everything that he's endured, they cast him into prison, beaten and abused. And in the midst of these horrendous circumstances, he's writes to the Philippian church, Philippians 4.4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Man, this guy's in prison, experiencing incredible hardship and, and, and a terrible abuse. And he's writing to encourage the church outside. Come on, you can, you can rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. This is a man in prison who has a cause that no matter what you do to him, he is going to build the body of Christ. I always marvel when I think of that. If ever there was a day when the, the cause of Christ needed faithful men, it's today. Yeah. If ever there was a day where the church needed the cause of Christ to have faithful men, it's today. Yes. We live in an age when leaders are abandoning biblical principles. They're denying the virgin birth, the deity of Christ, the resurrection. They turn a blind eye to couples cohabiting. Uh, they, they send mixed messages about homosexuality. That's wrong. It's an abomination. And we must stop these mixed messages. Amen? Yeah, amen. We've got to come back to the, the Bible. Amen. We've got to stand upon the scriptures. These so-called believers are running amok. They're getting drunk. You know, I heard about, uh, I was at a minister's conference and I heard about these ministers who were on a plane and they were, uh, they were flying long distance and they had a couple of drinks, uh, in-flight drinks. And by the time they got off the, the plane, they were tipsy. You know, that's an abomination. You know, I, I, I'm just, I get so heated under the collar, forgive me. <laughs> you know. There are people that are dabbling in the occult. They're reading horoscopes and going to fortune tellers. I heard uh, a married man uh, say in church that I was pastoring. He was a visitor. He said, uh, I'm he looked at the, one of the ladies in the church and she was really lovely. She was really beautiful. And as I was coming up behind him, he didn't see me. And he said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sleep with that girl and then I'm going to ask God to forgive me. 
Well, something just came over me. Yeah. I'm going I hold, yeah. to hold him. I, I won't tell you what I did, but I'll tell you the essence of what I I said, man, if you're going to serve Jesus Christ, you better you know, drag yourself up by the bootstrap. That's not good enough. You need to repent. That's, that's abusing God's grace. Yes. Amen. You know? Uh, and, and to this man's credit, he, he humbled himself and, and he asked forgiveness and he realized <laughs> that he had done wrong. Yeah. It's a disgraceful kind of behavior. Yes. You know? Faithfulness to God involves sexual purity, moral integrity, and ethical behavior. Can I have an amen? Amen. amen. Away with the apostate church, away with the so-called pleasure seekers, uh, comfort-loving Christians who shy away from the cross, who compromise their principles for gain. You know, have you ever watched that, the, the Man for All Seasons? It's a brilliant movie if, if, you've, uh, if you've never seen it. Uh, going about the time of Henry VIII and how a godly man opposed the King of England. Uh, and it, it, it's absolutely a, a, a totally inspirational <coughs> movie. Uh, but one, one of the men uh, in, uh, in, in the movie actually betrays uh, the, the former Lord uh, uh, Governor of, of London. And because of that, he is thrown into jail and persecuted by the king. And, and the price of betrayal was the Kingdom of Wales. And, and there's a line that goes in, in, in the movie. He said, said uh, Richard, you betrayed, uh, the, the, uh, did all this for the kingdom of, uh, of, of Wales. What does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? You did it for the kingdom of Wales. And so he was absolutely willing to uh, compromise his principles uh, for gain. Those who bring... Uh, disrepute into the church and dishonor these hypocritical people that bring shame and disgrace upon the name of the Lord. Read my lips. We don't need you. You need to repent if that's you. Amen? Amen. The church needs to be a holy institution. It needs to be a faithful institution, faithful to the word of God and faithful to all that God has called us. We need to learn to be faithful in doing the will of God. Have we forgotten that we are not our own, that we are bought with the price that Jesus paid his life for us? I want to wrap this up this morning by just looking at, at, at the life of Timothy very briefly. And it's found in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul tells, uh, tells Timothy to commit the gospel to faithful men. Commit the gospel to faithful men. 2 Timothy 2 and 2. Timothy was a faithful man. You know, when Paul had problems, he knew who he could turn to. He knew he could turn to Timothy and that Timothy would not let him down. No matter how difficult or no matter uh, how hard the obstacles, he was reliable. Timothy was a great man. When in trouble, you could count on Timothy because he had Paul's back. At the time of crisis, folks, I believe that the church is going into a time of, uh, of, of great uh, persecution. As, as, as we see that, that Christ's return is coming back so soon, I believe that there's going to be a persecution on the church. But there's also going to be a great revival. As, as, as things grow dark, God's going to move in powerful ways. But we need to be faithful uh, people who are not uh, there to uh, desert you or to betray you when you need them most. Faithful men. That's what God is looking for. Timothy was like that. Paul made him the... Uh, pastor of a difficult church. Praise God for pastors attack on difficult church. This is not one. 
Just in case you're thinking. There were men in the church of Ephesus who were preaching error and false doctrine. Timothy was told them, you stay there, you go there and sort it out. That was not an easy to, uh, an easy pastor to go to. But you know, Paul trusted Timothy. He was a good man, upright, and he served with distinction in difficult times. He reminds me of the Roman century. Uh, do you know the, the city of Pompeii when they, after the, the volcano exploded uh, and, and thousands of people were killed uh, by falling ash and people were trying to run and evacuate the city. They discovered the Roman sentry, the centurion uh, who was guarding the city gates, still at his post. He died at his post. That is faithfulness. And that's what the church used to have. It used to have faithful men, even in the face of much adversity. Timothy was loyal and faithful to God all the days of his life. Do you know the word Timothy in Greek means Timotheos? And it means uh, that, that uh, it literally means honoring God. And Timothy honored God. Timothy, uh, even at the end of his life, was found honoring God. What an accolade. What a tribute. What an epitaph. You want to know how Timothy died? Timothy was stopped at a pagan procession of idol worshippers. And he <laughs> preached the gospel to them. And they so appreciated his presentation of the gospel that they took him and beat him and stoned him to death. And he died as a result of being a faithful witness oh. to the Lord. He loved not his life unto the death. He laid down his life for the gospel. What a man. What a man. His courage, his dedication to Jews can serve as an example to us. His faithfulness to the cause of Christ is admirable. No wonder the early church turned the world upside down. Amen. Because of that kind of commitment, that kind of courage, that kind of faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. The church was founded upon the blood and the sacrifice of the saints. As we go into these dark times, I want to tell you, it's going to be dark, but it's also going to be one of the best times that the church has ever seen. Glory and anointing and revival is going to come before the Lord returns. Can you say amen? amen. God is going to do amazing work in the end time church. And if the church is going to be the light of the world in a, in a dark and sinful place, then we, we need to be faithful men. It's going to take men and women that have courage and conviction who will defy the standards of this world, who will not be self-seeking or self-serving, but they'll be surrendered to God, laying down their lives for the cause of Christ. Faithful men and women who can be counted on to stand in the face of adversity. I want to close with the words of the old hymn. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead, till every foe is vanquished, and Christ is Lord indeed. I want you just to think about your life this morning. Is your life become too small? Has it diminished into a life of mediocrity and ordinariness? I believe that God has given this message to speak to each and every person here. To challenge us to rise to the cause that Christ has. And the homework I'd like to set for you this week is to discover the purpose that God has saved you for. To live with purpose, to live with the cause, to live with the vision that God gives you.
move away from the ordinary, from the mundane, from the mediocre, from the self-comfort, self-pampered, self-kind of existence. Get to him, Lord. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us so much. Lord, you love us even when we fail you and, and make so many mistakes. Lord, you don't turn your back on us. You, you still love us. Your love is unconditional. We can't perform it. We can't earn it. Lord, it's freely given. You are an amazing, loving, wonderful God. Lord, we just thank you for everything that you've done for us. Lord, forgiveness of any and all sins. Lord, you've translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear Son. Lord, you've blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Lord, you've called us your own. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. Thank you, God, that you are our heavenly Father. And Lord, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed this morning, I pray for each and every one of us, myself included, that we would hear a fresh clarion call of the Holy Spirit revealing to us our cause, our purpose for being here this morning. Lord, that you would uh, give us something to rise to the challenge. Lord, I pray that, you, that we would be those that are like Timothy and like Nehemiah. Lord, who will be men of substance, women of substance and of character. Lord, who will do great exploits for the kingdom of God. So, Heavenly Father, I commit each and every one of us into your care and keeping. And I pray, Father, that you would open our eyes and our understanding and reveal to us, Lord, our cause, our purpose, greater than just going to work, eating food, and going to sleep. Give us a purpose. Give us your vision. Give us your cause. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I hope you got something out of that this morning. Praise God. I, we're going to sing a closing song, and as soon as uh, P is ready.